0: The issue is there's so much asphalt out there that even one or two percent that aren't being recycled are huge, huge amounts. We've gone upwards on small lab stuff of a hundred percent cycle.
1: Welcome to the Blue Continent Podcast. I'm your host, Brennan Pertzer, International Research Coordinator for the Blue Continent Alliance, the Blue Continent Podcast, and Your Blue Continent. What this program is about, this podcast, what makes it unique is, is finding people who have knowledge or expertise or have worked to address in a sustainable way a lot of global development issues. Greetings everyone. My guest in today's program is Dr. Jay Bianchini, the chief operating officer of Collaborative Aggregates, one of the leaders of the green chemistry movement. I wanted to interview him to learn about something that's so elemental to our lives, we take it completely for granted, asphalt, and how roads can be made more efficiently. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, how are you? Hey, well, thanks. I want to speak with you. Uh, you're the COO of Collaborative Aggregates and uh, I guess of the Warner Babcock
0: Institute. Yeah, we are. I was a research research scientist at the Warner Babcock Institute of Green Chemistry uh-huh. for many years and uh, with the development of the Fault technologies. So we're under the same umbrella. We're still sister companies, uh, but we're we, you know we a branch off of WBI. Yeah, okay. So you branched off from there. I got my PhD at UMass Boston. Quick. Uh, history story. Uh, I, I started uh, my PhD program in B chemistry uh, and at the time I believe it was the only PhD program in the world uh, and I was studying uh, with John Warner who's considered the father of green chemistry. And I started that in the summer of 2003 and then in 2000, uh, 2007 John started Warner Babcock. Uh, so myself and a few other of the students um, went with him to Warren Babcock, and I finished my PhD on the side, and then, and then obviously now we have, we have collaborative agreements. Pretty solid background
1: for, for what you're doing now. Can you, can you tell about what some of the, your focus is, or at least I'd like to start
0: with you explaining what uh, exactly green chemistry is all about. You know, it's, it's funny because we, we had a student who started some years ago in, in the lab and said, what are all these chemicals doing here? And and she was under the impression that we, you know, we would only use water, if you will. And (laughs) and that's not, Yeah, the idea is, is trying to do it better and keep keep in mind, you know, the cradle to grave, not only what compounds you're using to make something, but also the byproducts in the synthesis of that material. And then what happens to it after it goes out to be used. Uh, and then when it's at the end of its useful life, what happens to it when it's disposed of? Mm. And um, and a lot of it is, is it perfect? No, a lot of it's not perfect. And, and it's incremental steps right. towards a better way of doing something better products and just a better system. So it's better
1: than what was previously existing, and and hopefully future generations we continue to improve. what it the neutral effect of the chemical? Right, exactly. Were you always uh, interested in that type of science, uh, or or did you just you know
0: meeting John was that was that kind of? When I was an undergrad, I went to Keene State in New Hampshire, and and I was um and I was looking through flyers for different grad schools around the country, and. i i knew i wanted to do something different and i just didn't know what it was and then one night sitting amongst a pile of flyers from around the country Mm -hmm. i came across a guy in the midwest doing green chemistry and i was immediately i looked into it a little more and then i started you know as as i was looking online uh everywhere i looked it always took me back to umass boston and this guy john warner and the really cool thing was, was being in New Hampshire, he was only an hour and a half away. Sure. So I, I, uh, I went down and I met him and I met some of the students. Some of them are still really good friends of mine at this point, and that was spring of 2003. Uh, and, then, and that was it, I was hooked. I, I applied to that one program and I said, if I can't get into this program, I'm gonna go get a job in industry. And I got in and uh, the rest is history. Thanks. I got interested into what you guys were
1: doing because I was looking at, I, I'm, I just told you I moved out to the Virgin Islands and, yeah. and I've, I've lived in a few different places around the world and, and you just see that everywhere, you know, the state of asphalt and paving is you know always a concern and, and I looked and I thought, how many how many miles of, of roadways are there in on the planet anyway? I looked it up, it's something like 40 oh, million oh. kilometers of roadways across this planet. <laughs> and yes. it's, it's massive, of course. So it's an issue everywhere. And you think about how much yeah. energy goes into the making and maintaining of these roadways. And uh, to the extent that they are maintained, a lot of them aren't anyway. But I was like, asphalt, you know, has the potential to have some of it recycled, some reuse, some of it reused. And I was like, what? who out there is working to reduce the energy footprint of m- building and maintaining roadways? And I came across your, your company here and I said, you know, you guys actually have been working to develop the Delta S, the Delta Mist, and I want you to talk about what goes into that and and what it does for roadways, if you can.
0: Sure, sure. Well, just, you know, big picture with asphalt. The good news with asphalt is if you look at the the top two materials that are recycled most globally, I believe, Mm -hmm. are aluminum and asphalt. And depending on the source you look at, it's, you know, aluminum's a little bit more than asphalt and asphalt's a little bit more than aluminum. But that's, you know, being top one or two is pretty darn good. The problem is that the the amount that doesn't get recycled, and, and and this is upwards. Both of these materials are being recycled at like upwards of 99, percent which is huge. Yeah. Um, the issue is there's so much asphalt out there that even one or two percent that aren't being recycled is just it, it's a huge, huge amounts. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, so what we've done is is we. When we started looking at this, we there are rejuvenators out there, and the idea is, I guess, I'll, I'll you know explaining how asphalt works in the sense sure, sure. that um, when you make a roadway, when you take asphalt, what you have is about ninety four to ninety five percent stone, stone, your sand, any dust, and then only about six, six to five percent of that are is binder, the asphalt binder, um, and the black sticky stuff, and. And you you put that down and that that over time oxidizes, it gets hard, it gets brittle. It doesn't have that pliability that you need in a roadway which withstand the impact of cars and it starts failing. Um, And obviously that's all scraped up and they repave repave the road. Um, In the repaving of the road or putting asphalt down, you're you're able to take about 15 to 20% of the old roadway and put it into new construction um, without really affecting the, 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 the physical properties and the performance of that roadway. Because when you start going above 20%, um, the, the, the physical properties that the old roadway is putting into the new roadway, what you end up with is premature cracking, premature failure, and, um, and, and you know, the physical performance, if you will, that old material starts taking over uh, in, in negative ways. So, is a rejuvenator, and what a rejuvenator does is it takes that old material and it brings it back as close as it can be to its original state of performance. Now, now there are other rejuvenators out there that are petroleum-based, um, but we as you know, green chemists, we wanted to do it differently, and we thought we could do it differently, and, and ultimately, we have done it differently, and we've, we've taken a plant-based oil with some some of our chemistry, um, renewable feedstock, uh, and, and what we found is we have a we have a technology that works just as good, if not better, than the petroleum additives that are out there. So it's allowing us to use upwards of forty percent content in new roadway without having to bring more petroleum material into that. And all that we we we've gone upwards on small lab stuff of a hundred percent recycled. whoa um, and but the thing is it's it's not that our technology won't allow 60 to 80 percent you know even upwards of a hundred to get good performance it's the way the plants that are currently out there making asphalt are designed in the production of asphalt it doesn't allow you to run a hundred percent recycled content you would have to really build a plant that was designed to do that. And they're just not there. So, so we would love to go a lot higher. Uh, we just, the, the plants are just physically incapable of doing
1: it. I, yeah, I can imagine that it's the situation on the ground that's prohibitive. It's not, it's not that the technology couldn't exist. It's just that people yep. have to make a big investment in, in uh, new hardware or, or equipment so that they, they could get to that to be able to do it the way you do it in a lab, right?
0: Science. Right, exactly. Exactly. okay i hope I, I think i may have gone off in the weeds there so uh if there's anything you want me to elaborate on or go back on please let me know I, you know to be honest i i follow you completely I,
1: I hope that my listeners have been able to follow it it's a fascinating topic Can you say like when, how long has this product been on
0: the market and where has it been utilized uh, most effectively? The research project, you know, lab scale, my first day in the lab, if you will, was probably 2012, 2013. Um, We officially started Collaborative Aggregates full scale production in 2015. and we've been all over the country. I have a great map. I don't know if it would be helpful. I could mail email to you at some point, but it really highlights our our top field uh, field trials and experiments, if you will, across the country. Um, I think that, you know, one of the better ones that I, I, I like a lot, I think it was in Georgia, we did a 48% recycled asphalt uh, mix, which is wrapped. Um, and um, and it was the only... It's, highest recycled asphalt pavement project that was state-sponsored in the country to date. Cool. Uh, so, so that one, and that's holding up great. Uh, so so that one really is is, is a, kind of a feather in the cap of what we've done
1: at the field. Sure. Uh, now, can you tell me, like when you're utilizing your binder versus for example, just the, the, the industry standard. Um, where where does it come out on a price? Uh, I mean, is is there are there savings there by the amount that you can reuse for the
0: for for asphalt doubling approximately? Do you yeah, that's a that's a very good question because you know when when you add recycled content to asphalt, it's essentially free or or it's minimal expense because you know what a plant will do is will tear up the road in huge chunks, and if they don't have a machine to do it, they have to pay for it to come in. And it'll come in, it'll grind the, the, the pavement up, and then it'll get sorted into size because you need the you need different size distribution within your mix design. Um, and, um, and so it's essentially free. You know, it's, it's, uh, you're taken away from virgin stone, you're taken away from virgin binder, mm. um, but when you add an additive, whether it's ours or somebody else's, you have to pay for it um So what we found is once you start hitting that forty percent recycled content mark, mm-hmm. that's when they're going to start seeing significant savings. Yeah, I can imagine. So even, is the next, even adding an additive? Yeah, and below that, you know, it's kind of it can be, you know, you're maybe you're, you know, it's hit or miss, but it's it's right on the cusp of breaking even. But above that, 40, that forty percent or above is is where you actually start saving money even using an additive
1: so i would imagine just as a business person myself that the next thing i'd want to be researching in your lab and tell me if you're doing this already is is what equipment a maybe a small public works department would need to purchase uh so that they could up their their game towards the lab performance you're getting so that they could get to the point where whether they could use like 100 percent or 90 percent. Like what? What basic equipment would they need so that they could get towards that
0: number? You would essentially have to redesign an entire plant. Uh, and oh, if you if you don't mind, I can quickly walk you through the production of asphalt, so you you understand what we're what okay. We have okay. To yeah. Yeah. So so the first step is you take your stone, your virgin stone, so it has no binder on it. The black. This stuff. is like stuff and you, you just quarried, right? Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And you would heat it, and a lot of times they just flame heat it um and then they kill the flame or kill the heat and then they would you pump in pump the the heated liquid binder mm-hmm. and that's your you know that goes in uh and then you mix it so obviously you have you have hot stone and then your somewhat heated binder just so it can flow and then obviously you know the temperature decreases um and and what you know a typical standard hot mix asphalt is mixed at about 325 degrees Fahrenheit. So the stone is flame heated. um, And then when the binder comes in, they they meet at about 325 degrees Fahrenheit. That's mixed and and moved on. Um, And then now if you start adding wrap, what you would do is you flame heat however you're gonna heat the stone. Once you kill the heat at that point, you would pump in your liquid binder, your virgin binder, and then you would start dumping in your recycled content. Um, and just a little side point, um, just the heating, making a 100% virgin mix, just the standard heating of that asphalt binder in that production, you're already immediately at that point, you're, you're oxidizing and aging, and you're losing the physical performance of that binder just by making asphalt. Hmm. Uh, just a little side tidbit there. Um, and then... Uh, And then if you're using like Delta S, you would flame heat the stone, shut off the heat, and then you would inline blend Delta S into the liquid binder as it comes into the stone and then as you're adding the recycle content. So the issue with using 100% recycle content is you have no way of really heating it without making it worse or you don't want to directly flame heat that stuff because of the binders already on there. So it's it really would come down to how can you efficiently heat that wrap material, hmm. get your additive, your your, um, your your rejuvenator in there without ruining it or making it worse.
1: That's, yeah, that's gotta be, a, that's real science right there. You gotta know what you're doing. Um, I also was uh, familiar with, from years ago, um, a, a type of, Cold mix uh, uh, asphalt, uh, known as uh, soup. It's by a company called Halik in Israel. Are you familiar with
0: this? I'm, I'm familiar with cold mix, but I'm not familiar with them.
1: Okay. Well, they, they seem to have been also attempting a, a, a green approach to this thing, and by eliminating a heat element of it somehow, you know, then that's uh, that's another ecological
0: savings on that side. Yeah, no, we, we've done so many field trials with cold mix. Um, there's a couple different ways you can do it. You can either tear the road up, rate then and there, grind it, mix yep. it, and put it right, then add your additive and put it right down, or it can go back to the plant, be ground, sifted, and then you add, your delta, like in this case Delta S, and then you bring it back out. Um, we've had great success. A lot, of, a lot of those cold mix to really be effective uh because because your air voids are greater in those cold mix Mm -hmm. and and the problem with asphalt is you really don't need your air voids to a minimum because once water starts down in there and stays in there especially like where i'm at the the freeze thaw will just destroy it so a lot of times cold mix people will put it down um like and we we have very effectively and then they'll cap it with a thin layer of new asphalt just to ensure the water doesn't that makes sense huh
1: well, all the the incredible science of, of making asphalt, and uh, I I really appreciate you chatting with me about this, and I hope that some people hear this and uh, consider uh, the ways that they can reduce their the footprint, their asphalt production. Um, how can people find more information about your company and and what you're you've been working on?
0: Uh, we collaborativeaggregates.com is uh, the quickest to us and I'm up there and, and the whole team uh, so it's pretty easy to reach out from there if anybody are, are most questions. of your
1: clients are the uh, uh, public works departments then
0: No it, it's across the board We work with states uh, public work uh, you know towns municipalities and private sector producers pavers who are siping in on a bid and sometimes the town will bid out it and they'll you know spec you know use a green product a green additive we want 40 percent but your additive has to be sustainable. Something like that.
1: Uh-huh. So it's it's across the board. Okay. Are, are they? Are, how do these folks
0: usually find you anyway? Kind of like yourself. People that are looking. We also have active sales teams, so they're going out and, and talking to folks and introducing our product. And yeah, it,
1: it definitely seems like something that that the most important uh, element is just just getting the word out. You know, like if people knew that there's another way that has a lesser impact on the environment and they can do it at the same price then uh, mostly people would go for that. I I contribute towards that and uh, you know, help, help you expand uh, you know, the number of people that are aware of the, the good work you're doing.
0: Keep it up. Okay, great. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time and um, I appreciate you reaching out and inviting me to do
1: this. My pleasure. I'm always looking for people who are innovating in spheres that affect everybody. Take care. All right, you too. Bye. I'd like to thank Dr. Bianchini for being my guest today. I'd also like to thank our musical guests, We had a version of The Violent Femmes' Blister in the Sun, instrumentally performed by Zane Ezia. We had another instrumental version of 500 Miles by The Proclaimers. I threw some Thomas Dolby's Blinded Me With Science, as well as Donna Summer's Hot Stuff, and a little soft jazz by Avishai Cohen Trio at the end. And, of course, our theme music, The Lone Ranger by Quantum Jump thanks everybody for listening to the blue continent podcast we hope you enjoyed it and we hope you'll subscribe and join us again tell others about us this podcast is also available in a raw video format found on our blue continent alliance facebook page if you'd like to see our mini documentaries from around the world visit the blue continent youtube page today thanks again for listening take care